Thanks for your company on Sports Day this evening. As always, if you want to get involved in joining the conversation, you can. The Harcourts, open line 1300 736 736, or you can send us a temper text. Busy tonight, 0433 98 11 16. And we're doing it all thanks to Nutrien AG Solutions going further for Australian farmers. Find your local branch at nutrient.com.au. The host of the All-American Hour on SEN. He does a whole power of work. Expert uh, football caller in both formats as well. You can hear that American Hour Sundays at 8am as well as Monday mornings with Benny Graham to take you through your Monday morning NFL slate. Jordan Canillis is his name. Jordy, thanks for your time and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Kane. How are you? Oh, week 18, and it's flown by, I reckon. The season, it feels like it has anyway, and there's still a few playoff spots up for grabs. This weekend, what uh, has caught your interest, and who's still alive for a, a last-ditch playoff berth? It, uh, it really has flown by. Yeah, the last month or so has just gone really quickly. Um, the, the, the playoff scenario right now in both AFC and NFC conferences uh, has so many permutations that the weekend we've got in front of us, so week 18, the final week of the regular season, 16 games across the weekend, 15 of the 16 games have implications on the playoffs. Wow. So every, just about every game is a live game, um, whether that's a team trying to clinch a playoff position or uh, a team's trying to better their positions on the, on the conference standings to get a home game or, or, or the like. Um, there, are, there are so many games. The, the NFL leave the last week of the regular season uh, schedule um, as a floating fixture, so to speak. And they, they just released it yesterday. So we know now what the prime time games are. And the games that the NFL has scheduled to be uh, sort of the big games in prime time or, or standalone fixtures. We've got games on Sunday this week. Uh, so from 8.30 a.m. Uh, on Sunday, Eastern Daylight Time, the Steelers take on the Ravens. The Steelers are trying to win this game against the, the all-conquering Ravens to try and get into the playoffs. So that's, that's incumbent on Pittsburgh to win that game. Mm. And then the, uh, the, the afternoon game on the Sunday is Houston against the Indianapolis Colts, which is going to be a straight shootout uh, in that division there, the AFC South. And then uh, later in the, uh, the next day on the Monday, the Bills and the Dolphins in a straight shootout as well to try and win the AFC East. So we've got, that's just a, a small selection of the games that we've got coming up. Uh, for next week, uh, yesterday, the games uh, in week 17, there was, there was chaos everywhere. There was so many storylines. So it is really, um, it's, it's all heating up now. I feel like I'm not alone when I, I come on Mondays and I whinge about the AFL umpiring and, and how bad the umpiring errors have been. But across all of the American sports, in fact, the NBA suffered from this as well. But the NFL, certainly, Mahomes had an absolute meltdown uh, and lined up the officials a couple of weeks ago. And then that uh, Detroit... Dallas game over the weekend, which was decided by an iffy referee call. Has it been as bad as what has been reported on, the, the standard of umpiring? It, it feels that way, I feel like, because we've, we've um, yeah, yeah, we've been speaking a lot about this season. I, I would say so, yeah. I think thinking back to the last couple of years um, and just, you know, yeah. comparing the last five or so years, it definitely feels like we've had more major issues this season with the NFL officials um, than ever before. Yeah, we had that scenario. Now, the, the one with the Patrick Mahomes and, and the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of weeks ago with, with their wide receiver, Kadarius Tony. That was that was really uh, the player's fault in that situation mm-hmm. there. But but it would have been Mahomes, you know, teeing off at the officials at the end of the game in the in the press conference. That would have been just a, a build up of, uh, of frustration over a couple of weeks for him, and he just that was just the day that he burst. Um, and then, yeah, on the, on the weekend, the Detroit Lions game um, with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this was 
this is a, uh, an error from the official the officials that could have uh, you know big implications on the playoffs because it deprives the Lions of getting a, a win. It's it's awarded effectively the Dallas Cowboys in that game of getting a win that they probably shouldn't have, and that's a flow-on effect then to the Philadelphia Eagles in that division and who they play in the uh, in the playoffs. So yeah, I think to answer your question, I feel like yeah, this season has been uh, probably the most um, yeah the, the most sort of uh, the, the fans have been rankled with the uh, with the officials and the quality of officiating. The quality of the quarterback position is always interesting as well, and and once again, it feels like I don't know. There's probably ten to twelve good quarterbacks, but I've never seen as many quarterbacks being rolled out. I mean, the Cleveland Browns have had four and they've gone back to Joe Flacco and there's been issues everywhere. Russell Wilson has has now been stood down. feels like that contract has hardly even started in Denver, but is that an issue? Is, Is the quality of quarterback an issue now or are we judging these guys too harshly? Uh, it, it might. We're probably hard judging them a little too harshly, just because of how the quarterback role has changed uh, over the last few years. The, the new generation of quarterback is that they are all very mobile players. Mm. We expect the quarterbacks now to do more than what they used to. You know, back in back into the, the traditional sense of a quarterback, it was just a, a stand and deliver kind of player, yeah. just sit in the pocket, throw the ball, and and try and nail your passes. Now we expect quarterbacks to be able to run the ball themselves. Um, to, to have uh, you know a great knack when it comes to the play, the, the play the RPOs. So that is you know trying to fake a, a pass or a run and have all these this trickery in their arsenal. Um, so now that we've kind of seen what the new generation of quarterback looks like with Lamar Jackson and mm. Patrick Mahomes and, and the rest of them, we tend to judge the um, maybe the, the middle tier of quarterbacks a little harsher because of the the elevated standard. This year has been. A complete just it's been blown wide open because of all the injuries we've had too mm. so that's that's got nothing to do with the quality but all the injuries now with the quarterbacks this season and we've seen the second string and third string and fourth string as you said quarterbacks in some instances um we're seeing uh, the importance of of the quarterback position really uh, come to the fore and, and what a, a good starting quarterback can do for a team and then and then uh you know trying to make sure you've got a, a good backup quarterback which I guess you can praise the Cleveland Browns for having the right backup quarterbacks because they're in the playoffs. Speaking of Jordan Canillas, he hosts the All-American Hour on SEN Sundays and you'll hear him nice and early on Monday mornings taking you through Sunday football over there or Monday morning as, as we call it. Speaking of the quarterback, uh, Lamar Jackson will win the MVP, but I, I'm interested in this because I uh, was lucky enough to go to a couple of games recently uh, in the US and the pounding that the position of running back and, and wide receiver take, but the fact that they never, ever win the MVP. Now, Tyreek Hill and Christian McCaffrey are, are two players who I think are deserving of that award this year. They won't win it. Jordan, why is it that... Uh, positions other than the quarterback never ever win this award yeah it's a great question we actually spoke about this uh, last week on the all-american hour with, right. uh, with the chief it's it is yeah it's it's become a quarterback award um the last player to, to win the award who wasn't a quarterback was adrian peterson back in 2012 mm. so it's going back a while now when he was at the, the minnesota vikings but the, the quarterback position is basically it's uh, oh sorry the MVP uh, award feels like it just goes to the quarterback of of the winning team or one of the the upper echelon teams in the NFL season. Look, the quarterback is the most important player uh, on the field. It's arguably the most important position in sport. So if you've got a successful team who is who is uh, you know a Super Bowl contender, they're 
getting critical wins in the regular season, and that is because of your quarterback, then the quarterback is is most, more than likely going to be the um, the MVP of the season. But I agree with you. I'd love to see players who aren't quarterbacks win the awards. You know, McCaffrey is he's a he's almost a one of a kind running back. Yeah. The, the the feat that he's accomplished this season for the San Francisco 49ers has been phenomenal. It's probably been one of the best running back seasons for the last couple of years. So I'd love to see him win the award. I think he, I think he should be a contender. I know he's not at the top line of, of favoritism. It is Lamar Jackson, but um, yeah, but it just, it kind of feels automatic now that, uh, that the MVP is going to be a quarterback, but I guess that's where the, the offensive player of the year award comes into its own because that does feel like it's a more, uh, it is obviously by name a more offensive oriented award. And you then tend to see running backs and wide receivers win, win those awards. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of protection for the quarterbacks. I mean, they, they look after them, and, and rightly so. You can't hit them low. You can't hit them late. There's certain rules on when they're in the pocket and when they're outside the pocket and all of that, and if they give themselves up, you can't hit them. But for running backs, it's a, a free-for-all, and the pounding that someone like McCaffrey takes is is not quite fair, and he deserves all the accolades that he gets. A couple of other storylines I'm interested in. Bill Belichick and his, his future, pretty ordinary year for the Patriots. They've got a terrific defense, but offensively have, have really struggled. They desperately need a, a quarterback. There's been criticism over Belichick with his drafting and his, his running, I guess, of the, the football program and the amount of control that he has. Will he go back to New England next year, do you think? I mean, he keeps his cards pretty close to his chest, but what's your best guess? He does, yeah. I, I sort of feel like this will come down to, to Bill Belichick himself and his decision because um, he is so entrenched at the New England Patriots within that organisation. He is the coach, but he's also... He's got his he's got his hands in the football operations department too, so he works up in the higher the higher levels of the organisation. Um, the Patriots it's been obviously one of their worst seasons uh, since he's he's been in charge. Look, there has been a lot of talk that this could be the last season for Bill Belichick in New England. And to be frank, I, I would, in a way, I'd almost like to see this be the last season for Bill yeah. Belichick because I do think he'll get another gig elsewhere. Uh, I know there's been some experts who have said uh, the, the LA Chargers could be a team he goes to. I'd like to see him have a crack at another team. He's he's done his time in, in New England. He's won all he needs to win in, in at New England. Um, they need a bit of revitalization. There'll be a change at quarterback there, I'm sure. So why not bring in a new coach with a new quarterback uh, and, and try and build a partnership there between the QB and the coach going forward? It has to be a change of generation now, a change of era at New England's and Bill Belichick won't be out of a job. He's the most, one of the most successful coaches in NFL history. So he, he'll land somewhere else. So I would like to see Bill Belichick move elsewhere and see if he can do it at another team, you know, move to the other side of the country, go from Boston to LA and try and take their charges up to the top of the table. So uh, whether it happens or not, he does keep his cards close to his chest. And as I said, I feel like it'll be Bill's decision, but I would like to see him move on and, and take on another challenge. And the other one as well that I'm interested in is is the quarterback of Chicago, the Bears, Justin Fields. So he's he's looked good recently, but he's been he's been up and down. I mean, he's an exciting quarterback who can run, not a reliable thrower, but they've just started to turn the corner. But the Bears have got the number one pick in the draft, and there's always a couple of hot quarterback prospects that you can um, draft with, with pick one, which they have, and then you trade Fields. Or, Jordan, do you keep Fields? Do you trade back from one and bolster your, your your offensive or defensive line and perhaps get a wide receiver. What would you do if you were the Bears? And do you have confidence that Fields can carry the Chicago team forward or will they trade him? This this has become really interesting now in the last few weeks because of Chicago's 
uh, turning form. And, and Justin Fields has been central to that. It feels like the last month or two, he's almost been playing for his job. He's been playing for his contract. And the way he's been playing his football, um, he's, he's really sort of making a point of playing good football and, and impressing uh, the, the powers that be at Chicago. He's a, he's a supremely talented quarterback who's just been yeah. playing in a poor team. Uh, for the last couple of seasons, I, I think the Bears should hold on to him. I think they've got um, they've got issues in other areas too. They've only really got one, probably one elite wide receiver um, in, in DJ Moore, who's had a good season. They've got a couple of good running backs. They traded in that position um, at the start of last season. Um, it's it's there's a yeah he, his form is thrown a cat among the pigeons. So the top mm. three positions in the uh, in the draft will probably be quarterbacks. You've got Caleb Williams from USC, Drake May from North Carolina, and Jaden Daniels, who just won the Heisman Trophy uh, for the best player in college football from LSU. They'll, they'll go top three. It was for the, for the longest time this season, looked like Caleb Williams would go number one and he'd go to the Chicago Bears. I would, I, I'd like to see Justin Fields stay at the Bears because sometimes what happens is these young, talented quarterbacks, they get traded to another team and, um, and their career can sort of fizzle out. Uh, we've seen it with a few other quarterbacks here and there, like Sam Darnold, for example, who had yeah. just a rough trot at, at the Jets, um, got traded out to another team and hasn't really been cited since. I think he's at the 49ers now. Um, I think I think the Bears. I think I think the Bears would be fine if they kept Justin Fields and picked someone else at uh, at the first pick of, of the draft. If they picked a wide receiver uh, or an offensive lineman, that, that O line probably needs to improve as well. Uh, I'd like to see them do that, but. Um, if the best player in the draft is a quarterback, they'll take a quarterback. Mm. And before we let you go, there's been a couple of huge games in college football today. So sort of our AFL version of the prelim finals now. I can see just Washington have just um, just won their match. What else happened in the early game? Yeah, so Michigan defeated Alabama in overtime in the, uh, in the first game of the morning in the Rose Bowl, the historic Rose Bowl in California. Um, and, uh, and they've made it through to their first ever college football final, coached by Jim Harbaugh, the brother of uh, John Harbaugh, the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens coach. Um, they've had some controversy this season. They've had a few, uh, a few issues and scandals that have, uh, that have plagued them this year, the Michigan Wolverines. But they're into the final now, and they'll take on Washington. Um, it's the first time in about nine years that there won't be a team from the Southeastern Conference, which has been the stronghold of college football. Um, so, yeah, it's all set up for, for next week. This time next week, it'll be Jan 9, Australian time, that the college football final takes place. And mm. we'll have a, a pretty new winner, Michigan versus Washington. Geordie, loving your work. Look forward to tuning in on Sunday and also on Monday. Thank you, Kane. Appreciate it. Jordan Keelis there, our expert on all things the NFL. As I said, you can catch him on the All-American Hour on Sunday from 8 and also nice and early with the legend Benny Graham on Monday mornings. They'll take you right through the NFL Week 18 and as well as all of the playoffs right up until the Super Bowl. Time now for our sports update. That's all thanks to Brandt Equipment. They're the experts in agriculture covering your equipment parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. A lot of headlines around David Warner this summer um, and his farewell and the criticism from Mitchell Johnson, this story uh, not as uplifting uh, as the 100 he made in the first test, but he's called for the return of his two baggy greens after they went missing whilst he was travelling to Sydney ahead of his final test for the Aussies. So he went to social media and he revealed uh, that he'd lost his baggy green or that had been stolen and he's asking for help to find them. Now, he lost them whilst he was travelling from Melbourne to Sydney 
on a Qantas flight. Unfortunately, someone has taken my backpack out of my actual luggage, which had my backpack and my girl's presents in there. Inside this backpack was my baggy greens. That's sentimental to me. It's something that I would love to have back in my hands, walking out there uh, come this week. If it's the backpack that you really wanted, I have a spare one here. Interestingly, on that social media post, Chappelle Corby uh, is the top comment, and she said, Qantas, exclamation mark, well, do I have a story for you with a mind-blown emoji, which has been liked nearly 3,100 times. So uh, we all know Chappelle Corby's story, but uh, a cryptic post uh, left there. But let's hope he gets those hats back and... We spoke to Damien Fleming about that and where he stores his baggy green a little bit earlier on in the program. Now, after beginning the season with a 3-7 and win-loss record, the New Zealand Breakers have extended their winning streak to four after edging out the Tassie Jack Jumpers by five points. The Breakers won 98-93. Can I say the NBL's flying? Like, I've been to a couple of games. My, my Adelaide 36ers are uh, the worst team in it, unfortunately. But I saw Perth destroy them last Thursday in Adelaide. But just the whole of the competition, the evenness of it, the fact that anyone can beat anyone on any given night, um, you know, Melbourne's dominance, Perth's resurgence, you feel like uh, New Zealand, as we said, are coming good and Sydney are always strong. And then you've got, um, yeah, the likes of, of Tassie, also really strong as well, all looking for that playoff berth. Uh, let's talk some BBL. The Hobart Hurricanes have lifted themselves off the bottom of the ladder after earning a seven-wicket win over Sydney Thunder. The Hurricanes managed to chase down the Thunder's score of 150 with 11 balls to spare. They were led courageously by the returning Ben McDermott, who scored an unbeaten 53 not out. Big game uh, in the BBL tonight as well, as we spoke to Pickers about live from the MCG a little bit earlier on. It's the Melbourne Stars, Glenn Maxwell's men, taking on the Melbourne Renegades tonight at uh, the MCG. Looking forward to that one. And finally, earlier today, Pat Cummins gave his press conference ahead of the third test against Pakistan from the SCG tomorrow. And he did reveal that the Aussies will go in unchanged. And our man, Barat Sundarayson, as part of the SEN cricket commentary team, caught up with the Aussie skipper, earlier today. Let's have a listen to some of what Pat had to say. Bye, Cummins. Thanks for speaking with SEN Test Cricket. Happy New Year to start with. Uh, Sydney Test, always special, uh, coming back home, uh, to your home ground. But just to start off another another year, it feels like 2023 just ended and we've spoken a lot about how special that was for you. Yeah, it's always a good marker each year coming back here. Um, the start of the year, yeah, 2023, just a crazy year. I think it's going to be hard to top in the last six months. Just everything went to plan really uh so we're still still feels like we're on a bit of a high actually um and probably will be for a while uh but yeah good way to kick it off always here in sydney and then still got a, feels like another or well, four test matches five test matches in the next uh couple of months which is exciting are you one of those though like you kick off like um, the sydney test or just the new year with uh, fresh views or resolutions and all that no, no, I'm absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I can't kind of uh, play each week as it comes. Um, yeah, especially our calendar is pretty crazy, so I never look too far ahead and just uh, hop on the plane or the bus and <laughs> work out wherever I am that week. Uh, speaking of doing it week to week, this is the David Warner week in some in many ways. Um, just, just this what he's brought to Test cricket, uh, but I guess he's a pioneer. He started batting away that very few people had done before. But what he's meant to Australian cricket uh, for the one this year. 
Yeah, I look back to when he started, I think there was a, a way that you're meant to bat in Test cricket, especially as an open batter. You, you know, there's a certain style, that's how you have to play. And he turned that upside down, um, putting the pressure right back onto the bowlers, striking at 70 or 80 in Test cricket, it's unheard of. Um, and I think you've seen a lot of teams around the world kind of follow that lead. So he's going to be a huge loss. Uh, hopefully we'll have a great week for him here. Um, but, yeah, just super impressive. He's... 13, 14-year career um, and the amount of games he's won for Australia along the way. Uh, and to you guys, I mean, he's such, been such a big part of this dressing room. I know, I mean, he always divides opinions around Australia uh, amongst the public, but what has he meant to you guys as a teammate and just as a leader in that side? Yeah, he's, he's just always, uh, there's always something going on with David. It's always fun. It brings a lot of good energy to the group. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time on the road and he's always up and about. And um, Yeah, you know, over the course of, what is it, over a dozen years, you know, we've gone through a lot together. He's you now got three kids. You know, we all started out, we're all kind of, well, he was early 20s, I was teenagers, um, and now we're all kind of part of families. And uh, So it's been great. Uh, yeah, he's going to be sorely missed. I'm sure there are many, many special moments, but is there something that stands out for you, like on or off the field when you, when you think David Warner? Uh, my memory's not great, so I'm trying to think. I mean, even most recently, I think in, in, um, in, the, in the ODI World Cup, mm. the way he went about it, um, it's quite easy for someone like him who's a prolific run scorer just to get runs, but he'd go out there, he'd play his ramps off top of off for six. Uh, he would really put put the pressure back onto the bowlers and that, that really sets up the whole innings for our team and, and kind of everyone else follows that lead. Uh, is there anything planned for him? I mean, the sense like before or after the game and has there been obviously been a lot of talk about him, but uh, just what's been happening in the lead up to this? Yeah, we're going to have a bit of a celebration after the test match um, for Davey. Uh, we've got a few little bits and pieces as a team that we've, we've sorted for him, but yeah, the main thing's trying to make sure on the field he has a special week and uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll be really well celebrated by the fans here at the SCG. Uh, I mean, the focus obviously is on him, Pat, but you know, like you said, Test cricket just rolls on. And in 10 days after his final day, maybe in Test cricket, you'll need a new opener. Um, has there been a lot of discussion about it? Um, different people have chimed in with their options. Yeah. But like, just where do you stand with knowing who that person is? Oh, yeah, the good thing is there are some really good options. Um, you know, the honest answer is we haven't sat down in depth. We know we've got a bit of time, um, so we kind of want to see. Yeah, there's no point making a decision before we need to uh, on on this one. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll sit down after this test match and the selectors will come up with who they think's uh, best to... who's going to do, you know, the best in that spot. Um, Davey's a pretty hard man to replace, but we'll try. Do you have a preference as to be a specialist or could it be someone from the middle or a push doubly? Personally, do you have a preference on that front? No, not really. I think it's just whoever you think is going to perform best up there. Um, so, uh, yeah, no preference or yeah, don't have to be right-hand or left-hand. It's just whoever you think is going to be best. Uh, and just finally, on on this pink test, uh, Pat, uh, you, you said earlier it's always been special to you and your family and it's been a tough year for you on a personal front. But what does this mean to you and this one in particular? It's always special. Um, you know, I think it's it's a, a week each year where you see how positive... You know, how much positive change we can make through cricket and seeing 30,000, 40,000 people turn up here and wanting to make a difference and doing it together, I think that, that still makes it really special for me. Um, but, yeah, obviously with mum, it's been a really difficult year, so this one's going to have a bit of added um, uh, kind of specialness to it. Um, 
yeah, like, like it kind of has pretty much every test I've played here. Thank you so much, Pat. Go well. Great. Thank you. Pat Cummins there with Barat Sunder Racing. And this is Sports Day. It's all thanks to Kia. Epic has arrived. The all-electric Kia EV6 GT. And for Maccas, the Chicken Big Mac. Chicken Big Mac is back at Maccas. I like the sound of that. The Harcourts open line for all things real estate. You've got to speak to Harcourts. Is one 736 736 And that sports update there was all thanks to Tire Power. Hot summer sale is now on your local Tire Power. Get in there and get four for the price of three on Kumo Tires. More sports day after this.